I'd like to welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 25 of the 2022 podcast series, where we take a look at the draft-eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft. And now that we're less than a week away, we're putting six podcasts in six days together, positional breakdowns, the last three podcasts, three days in a row, we've talked about the offense. We started off with the quarterbacks and running backs, then we crushed it with the receivers and tight ends, talked about the offensive line yesterday. Today, it's all about the defense. Offense, we've, we've covered, it's all about the defensive side of the football now. We're going to be talking about the edge rushers and the defensive linemen. Then we're going to be moving to the linebackers, and then finally we'll finish it off with the secondary. We'll sprinkle in the specialists there as well. There's a lot of ground to cover here because there are a lot of really good edge rushers, and we want to dive into that defensive tackle position because I know it's not very deep, but there are some guys that we should be paying attention to come draft day, especially there in that uh, day two, early day three range. So let's go ahead and jump right into things, and obviously when we're talking about the edge rush position, You look at it traditionally, and over the last five years, uh, we've seen quite a few edge rushers come off the board. Uh, Obviously, you know, 28 came off the board in 2021. And look, 2021, we did not have a surefire number one edge rusher. Jalen Phillips taken 18 overall there by the Dolphins. Quiddy Pay, the next guy off the board. Saints kind of threw a curveball there with Peyton Turner at 28. And then Gregory Rousseau at the end of round number one. So we didn't have the, you know, like we had in 2020 with Chase Young sitting there at the number two overall pick. Uh, you know, a year before that, it was it was Nick Bosa's time. Year before, you got Bradley Chubb coming from NC State to the Broncos. And then obviously we know 2017, Miles Garrett, number one overall to the Cleveland Browns. But over the course of the last five years, we've had right around 22 and a half defensive ends come off the board in the three days of the draft and I'll tell you what it's one of those things that's really interesting we had six defensive ends come off the board the year that Miles Garrett was number one overall there in 2017 and when you look at uh, you know 2018 2019 I thought were kind of down years at that defensive end position I think over the last couple of years teams have really been desperate to look for that next edge rusher that can really uh, help them set the tone defensively uh, one of the things that we have last year, you know, you look at the linebacker position and, uh, you know, not really necessarily factored in when you're talking about defensive ends, but we are talking about edge rushers overall. So you did also have Jason Owe and, and Joe Tryon in round number one. Aziz Ojulari uh, led the Giants in sacks as well. Um, so you did have a couple of, of linebackers who were edge rushers, um, you know, three in total there in the first two days of the draft. So we're also going to be talking about some of those edge rushers. I actually am looking at as many as six to come off the board um, at, at that outside linebacker position. Um, you know, but then the, the real question is going to be just how many edge rushers, and, and really at the defensive end position, are going to come off the board in round number one. I'm looking at as many as seven to come off the board in round one, which. You know, we haven't seen, like I said, in the last five years, but I think with the talent, there's so much talent there at the top, and teams are looking for edge rushers, so I think this is definitely the draft to be able to land one of those guys, so I wouldn't be surprised if we did, uh, you know, did see seven edge rushers come off the board in round number one. So obviously the first guy that we have to talk about is Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. Come on. This dude, uh, you know, you want to talk about a guy who, who breathes and, and bleeds 
maize and blue. Uh, a guy who grew up with the team, his dad, Chris, had a single-season sack record uh, until Hutchinson broke that. Uh, when you look at him, though, 6'7", 260 pounds. This guy plays with his hair on fire. The uh, motor is nonstop. He's always working to get to the quarterback, and his play is absolutely infectious. And when you look at him, too, uh, obviously you, you had 16 tackles for loss, 14 of those sacks, and 74 pressures. So it wasn't just him getting to the quarterback. He was also just living in opposing backfields, always making it difficult for those quarterbacks in the backfield. I think really, uh, you know, he was the Heisman runner-up, and I think really his Heisman moment was that game against Ohio State. Just living in that backfield and really made things difficult for C.J. Stroud. Seven tackles, three sacks. You know, there, there's the video of him just absolutely running over Thayer Munford, who was playing that left tackle position. And, you know, what I love about Aiden Hutchinson is I think he'll complement Josh Allen well there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Allen is all about speed coming off the edge. And when you look at Aiden Hutchinson, he has a really nice first step, but he's not, he doesn't have quite the bend, at least on tape. You know, I'll, I'll mention that it's just on tape because this dude also ran a 6.7, uh, you know, three cone drills. When you're talking about a guy that's able to move that well and be able to cut, there has to be some bend to his game. But really, what we've seen a lot of is his ability to uh, put that speed to power. You know, there's a lot of strength to his game, and, and that speed to power. Uh, you also see a lot of him wanting to cross. The, the offensive tackle's face with those inside rushes and the handwork is just absolutely phenomenal. You're going to see a lot of uh, you know swim moves, arm over to the inside. I love the chops, the rips, you know, just excellent handwork. And the thing with it too is, is he's so precise with his hand placement. He's attacking, attacking the hands of the the offensive tackle, making sure that he can't keep his hands on him. He's chopping him down. He's getting those hands there to the outside shoulder of that that offensive tackle, and using using those those hands to really get by and get to that edge. Um, I think he's a guy that can definitely bend getting around that corner, and I think there's just a little bit more there to it than, than what we've seen on tape. But, you know, this guy also, with that motor, he's among the Michigan leaders in tackles. Um, you know, a guy who I think can set a pretty good edge against the run. Um, some people give him a hard time about that, especially with those uh, 32 and an eighth inch arms. They're talking about, well, he's got such short arm length. But, but look, this guy, the high energy, I think what, one of the things that he does really well is he understands some of those limitations. So he's able to use that to his advantage, get that leverage, shoot his hands in quickly, and get underneath that offensive tackle where he's able to catch them off balance, drive them back into the backfield, and then use one of those counter moves to get off, you know, to uh, maintain leverage, get off the block, and get into the backfield and make a play on the quarterback. So when you look at Jacksonville, you know, obviously I mentioned Josh Allen. I think this is a great uh, pickup for them. And a lot of talk there with, with Trayvon Walker and, and Trent Balky loving a guy with length. We know that Balky drafted both Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner in back-to-back drafts with San Francisco. Could they go Trayvon Walker? I, I think there's a chance that we could still see that happen. But look, you know, you want to change the culture. If you're if you're Doug Peterson, you're changing the culture there, and you already have Trevor Lawrence on the offensive side of the football. You need a guy who's going to go in there and be a dude in the locker room, be that leader, be that force, that passion that that he exudes. He just loves to play the game of football. And 
We haven't really seen that from Trayvon Walker. Could he be that guy? Possibly. But you know what you're getting with, with Aiden Hutchinson. I think this is you know the safe pick. But uh, uh, you know again, this is a dude who just knows how to get after the quarterback. And the Jaguars were among the worst in being able to, to sack the quarterback. Just 32 sacks. Uh, struggled to contain most of the, the, the league's mobile passers a season ago as well. And uh, look, only Allen and Smoot, uh, Dewan Smoot, finished with more than three sacks on the year. I think Aiden Hutchinson, this will be a big win for the Jacksonville Jaguars there at number one overall. Move on to, to the second overall pick, and, and the Lions are sitting there. Obviously, they want to try to get Aiden Hutchinson, keep the, uh, the local product in-house, in-state. But even if he's not on the board... Uh, you know, I, I think getting Trayvon Walker, look, 6'5", 272, I think there's a lot of debate about whether or not Trayvon Walker is going to be the guy at the next level that everybody thinks he might be. And you have to look at the pre- the, the productivity or lack thereof, just nine, nine sacks in his career. But you also talk about the scheme and what Georgia was trying to do. You saw a lot of stunts. You saw a lot of both uh, Jordan Davis and Devontae uh, Wyatt collapsing the pocket, getting in into the backfield. You had the linebackers that really were allowed to come in and clean things up. So you weren't always asking Trayvon Walker to get after the quarterback. I do think that he does need to work on, on some of the pass rush moves. I think he needs to work on the hand usage a little bit more. Um, you know, very good with, with the, the strength and the power and utilizing the, the length. I mentioned that before, over 34-inch arms. Um, so being able to use that length to his advantage and, and be able to uh, drive his man into the backfield, that speed to power. Um, and, and once he does get off the block, we know that this guy is absolutely athletic. He put on a show at the Combine that was just absolutely ridiculous. It was mind-boggling what this guy was able to do. Um <clears throat> For a guy his his size at 6'5 and 272 pounds, he ran a 4.5140. Pro Football Focus reported that that was the fastest time uh, among players weighing at least 270 since 1999. I mean, to put that in context, Walker ran faster than 12 receivers and 13 running backs at the combine. And then that extended the explosiveness to a 35.5-inch vertical leap, a three-cone drill at 6.89. On tape, again, you're going to see a guy who's going to be developing as a pass rusher, but biggest thing was he was asked to do a lot of the little things and I thought that really showed up well a guy that can set the edge against the run and I know a lot of people say well if that's the number one thing that you're talking about with this guy then he shouldn't be taken uh, in the top five of the draft if he's more of a, a tone setter against the run but this is a guy who can come in and shut down the run game uh, on his side effectively take away that that whole side of uh, of the running game because he does set a hard edge. He does a really good job uh, maintaining leverage, using those long arms to his advantage, able to, to stack and shed and be able to, not only that, um, but able to, if he drives his man to the inside, able to then bam back to the outside to chase down the running back. We've seen the effort. This is a dude who's able to chase receivers 30, 40 yards down the field uh, and then dropping into coverage. I think this is where I think he sets himself apart from some of these other guys and why he is so special is you watch him against Florida and there's a throw over the middle and he's dropping into coverage reading the quarterback's eyes and and able to drop into that passing lane and nearly pick off that pass Uh, and then against Auburn he's He's covering Tank Bigsby on a, on a freaking wheel route, and he's stride for stride with Tank Bigsby. I mean, it's it, it's something that a guy his size, 6'5", 272 pounds, should not be able to do. And again, you know, when you have Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Nicobe Dean, Channing Tindall, uh, Quay Walker, Adam Anderson, Nolan Smith, these guys are constantly applying pressure. 
you don't have to be the guy to get after the quarterback on every single play. And when you think about it, Jermaine Johnson, Jermaine Johnson moved out of there and moved to, to Florida State and you know as a grad transfer and really with Jermaine Johnson he wanted to showcase his skills and he wasn't really able to do that with a group like that at Georgia he's able to go ahead and break out because look at Georgia this guy had seven tackles for loss six and a half sacks and then he shows up at Florida and just absolutely blows up because he was the guy he was the number one guy there and Trayvon Walker could have done that he stays there at Georgia ends up winning a national championship out of that and, and so Trayvon Walker, to me, you know, yes, you are drafting a little bit there for projection, but I, I think this is a dude who um, is going to be a guy that Dan Dan Campbell is going to fall in love with. And if you can get some of that 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 pass rush ability, we know that there is some of that untapped potential. Uh, and if you can get that and really lock that in, then I think you really have something there—a guy that could be one of the more complete uh, defensive ends in you know coming out of this draft. It's just a matter of can you tap into that to make him more of a complete player and not just a guy who's going to be effective against the run and, and dropping into into coverage. So a, a lot to be seen there with, with Trayvon Walker. I don't think he's the number one overall pick. It, ultimately, if Jacksonville wants Trayvon Walker at number one, I would just trade out of the number one overall pick. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to go ahead and roll with that guy. Uh, number three on my list is going to be Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, 6'4", 254. Um, and look, Kayvon Thibodeau has been the guy, right? I mean, he's been the number one uh, prospect coming out of uh, out of high school. He's the number one prospect every single year, it seemed like, when he was at Oregon for this draft class. And then suddenly people started talking about, well, he has other interests. You know, the motor runs hot and cold. Yes, I know at the Combine he kind of took some of the, you know, he, he ultimately shut things down there. But what I saw was a guy who played with a lot of effort. You know, this is a guy who was able to, you know, chase it after the ball carrier, especially on the backside against the run. A guy with, uh, he doesn't bend as well as maybe you might like, but definitely a guy who has explosive explosiveness in his hands, very violent punch, and a guy that has such a quick first step, he's able to beat guys into the backfield. I think when he gets in with a D-line coach, it's able to help him work with, with those hands a little bit more, be able to p potentially get a little bit more bend out of him. I think you're really going to get a guy that's going to be a force at the next level. And people are saying, well, why would I take a guy in the top five? Uh, you know, I, again, I, you know, the same conversation. Everyone says that, well, Kayvon Thibodeau dominated. He didn't dominate. You know, you look at him and his last season there with the Ducks, uh, you're just talking about 12 tackles for loss and seven sacks. Should have been able to do a heck of a lot more than that, right? I mean, you know, this is a guy, look, 35 and a half tackles for loss, 19 sacks, uh, seven pass breakups. But what people forget is this was a guy who had an ankle sprain there against Fresno State, had to battle back. And those ankle injuries, especially, you know, those, those high ankle sprains, they're going to you know stay with you for a long time. So I, I don't know that I can necessarily knock him so much if there were a couple of plays that were taken off. You watch him, you know, Tune in and watch Oregon take on USC with Elijah Vera Tucker there at the left side. You know, just so explosive, coming off the edge. And Elijah Vera Tucker, I mean, that was the game that really proved that while 
AAVT was able to hold his own at left tackle. He belonged inside because he couldn't handle the elite speed rushers coming off the edge. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to go to the Jets there at number four. I think that makes the most sense for me because you know obviously you've got Carl Lawson coming off injury. You need to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. And uh, you know defensively, look, the pass defense gave up the third most yards through the air. Also gave up 73 pass plays of at least 20 yards. And while I think the Jets could very well end up taking Ahmad uh, Gardner uh, to take on some of the, the top wideouts in the AFC East, like like Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs, but you know the Jets need to get after the quarterback, and I think it would behoove them to, to go after Thibodeau because, look, you, know, you did bring in DJ Reed. You have a lot of young corners there. You don't have a lot of pass rushers, and so Kayvon Thibodeau makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and really, when you're talking about this group, Moving on to number four, uh, and I mentioned Jermaine Johnson earlier. There really isn't a drop-off here. You can almost say that it's 3A and 3B because I, I'm a big fan of Jermaine Johnson. Uh, you know, 6'5", 254, maybe one of the more polished edge rushers in the draft. And um, you know, what I love for him was he, he shows up at Florida State, 11 and a half sacks, 70 tackles among the, the team leaders in uh, total tackles, but then he he just blows up, right? You know, blows up at the combine. Uh, before that, it was a Senior Bowl, uh, virtually unblockable. At the combine, runs a four-five-eight forty, uh, very long limb power rusher. Uh, works hard coming off the edge. Rarely stays block. Uses those long levers to create separation from his man, and, and has those quick hands to chop down, then rip through to get to the tackle. Uh, to, to get by the tackle, I should say. And then always working to the quarterback. You'll see second and third efforts from him before he gets home. And for as relentless a pass rusher as he is, he's even a more dominant run defender, a guy that is so savvy, understands you know, run concepts, is able to... Uh, work off of his block, whether it's you know the stacking and shedding, a guy that's going to be able to set that hard edge, be able to get off the blocks, force either the running back wide, or if he can get outside, he'll for spill it back inside to the linebackers. Definitely uh, relentless in his pursuit of the ball. And then that tremendous strength. Look, he put up 225, 27 pound, uh, times at the combine. Um, you know, he can anchor, set that edge, and um, you know, once he's around the ball, he's very physical and reliable tackle tackler as well. And, and this is a guy that I think could go as high as number seven to the Giants. I, I, I think Atlanta, if they don't go quarterback, and I don't think there's a lock that Atlanta does go quarterback. And, and really, I think the more I think about it, they brought in Marcus Mariota. Yes, he's a bridge quarterback, but there are all these other needs. They either go receiver or they go edge rusher. They only had 18 sacks. Jermaine Johnson would be a guy that could absolutely come in there for, for the ATL and be able to help put pressure on the quarterback right away. You know, Florida State struggled to put pressure on the quarterback. He was able to come in there and really become a force all on his own. And uh, I think he could absolutely do that for, for Atlanta. Um, if he gets out of that, uh, if Thibodeau isn't the guy at number four, then I think you could see him going to the Jets at, at 10, um, even at, at 13 with Houston. If Houston decides that they're not going to go with Thibodeau at three, they end up going maybe with uh, Iki Aquanu or Evan Neal there at, at number three overall, then at 13. And, and I don't think he gets past 14 there with Baltimore, uh, especially with uh, you know Zadarius Smith not ultimately signing with them. I think there's a great chance that you could end up seeing him coming there to uh, to Baltimore uh, to pair up with uh, Odafe Owe. My next edge rusher is the, the, the Greek freak 
uh, if you will, uh, in George Karloftis. And look, you know, coming out of Purdue, this is a dude who I think really took the world by storm as a true freshman, and really is is kind of put you know taped together uh, this season that you know really is is a you know turned some heads. Uh, what I, I really love is is that power coming off the edge, but he also has tremendous speed as well. Runs in the four sixes at the, at the combine. Um, you know, but Karloftis, you know, I, I think a lot of people give him a hard time because of the short arms. But again, you know, very powerful at the point of attack. He showed a lot, you know, more quickness there at Purdue's Pro Day than I think people were really expecting out of him. Um, you know, again, you know, 6'4", 270 pounds, um, you know, 29 tackles for loss, 14 sacks in his career. And look, you know, as a freshman, 17 tackles for loss, 7.5 sacks, 54 tackles. And, uh, you know, his junior year, people gave him a hard time. Look, only 4.5 sacks. But this was a dude who always seemed to be in the backfield. He was a guy that just could not be blocked Want to continue to attack the hands of those uh, those offensive tackles as well. A guy that I think can set a hard edge against the run. And for me, I look at George Karloftis and the Eagles need pass rush help. And I know that they brought in Hassan Reddick, but I, I don't think they should be done there. They also re-signed uh, Derek Barnett. But to this point, uh, the former first rounder just has been a disappointment. You've got Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat on the roster. Um, you know, Brandon Graham is starting to get up there a little bit in age. I think this could be a spot for uh, for Karloftis. I think at number 19 would make a lot of sense. I'm also looking at Arizona at 23. When you talk about Arizona and uh, the fact that they lost Ch- uh, Chandler Jones, you know, when you think about it, a season ago they had 39 sacks. 21 and a half of those were racked up by Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones. Nobody else finished with more than four sacks on the roster. Chandler Jones is now in Vegas. Golden's going to be needing somebody to pair up with him. I think that's when he's most effective. Devon Kennard slated to start, but he wasn't a factor. Failed to register a single sack. So I think Karloftis could absolutely come in there and, and be able to help address that for Arizona as well. Um, and if he gets past Arizona, I don't think he's getting past Dallas. Dallas needs to find a guy, a running mate for uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Yes, they brought in uh, Dante Fowler, but I think adding another piece there makes a lot of sense there. So you know, I, I think with George Karloftis, that gives you five defensive ends coming off the board in uh, in round number one. But I'm not done. There, there's there's going to be more, and, and I think that's what's kind of crazy about this draft class. You know, I'm looking at Arnold Ebiketti, and I think he's ultimately going to go uh, off the board there to uh, the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is sitting there with, with two first round picks. I think they ultimately end up using one of those picks on a on a receiver. I know they haven't used one since I think it's 2002 with, with Javon Walker, but it has to happen for, for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Yes, I know they brought in Sammy Watkins, but that's not going to really seal the deal for them. Um, at 28 overall, Arnold Ebiketti, look, you've got uh, Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary on the wa- on the roster. You lost to Darius Smith. You need to get that extra pass rusher in there. And Ebiketti is, is a guy who is a high-motor player, a guy that I think bends really well coming off the edge. And uh, look, he was a guy that always seemed to get home there at Temple, played there for the Owls for three years, grad transfer to Penn State. And uh, Penn State was really, he really blew up. 62 tackles, 18 coming for loss, nine and a half sacks on the year. Uh, you know, a, a guy who, again, tremendous athlete, and uh, 6'2", 250 pounds, 38-inch vertical leap. So we know that this guy has some explosiveness to him as well. I think that's really a great fit for him. And then just two picks later, at number 30, how about Boye Mafe? 
uh, out of Minnesota. I know this guy is super raw, but you know, 6'4", 261. Think about him there at KC. And, and you pair him with, with the likes of, of Frank Clark and um, you know Chris Jones there on the inside. You know, think about you know that that pass rush. They were lacking that spark defensively. Then they bring in Melvin Ingram, and that juice that he was able to provide really was a positive impact on that pass rush as a whole. The motor, the relentlessness, getting off the edge. They need to to recapture that. Uh, and, and I think Boye Mafe, look, the explosiveness is absolutely undeniable. Finished 2021 with seven sacks for the Golden Gophers. We saw the get off, the bend, the closing burst. Saw that again at the Senior Bowl against the top offensive tackles. Then he shows up at the combine and for his size, 45340, 38-inch vertical leap. So powerful, really effective chop on the outside hand of the offensive tackle. Watch out for the jab step as well. He's going to look to cross you over like he's on on the basketball court, like AI. Coming downhill, very difficult to slow down as well. Covers a lot of ground laterally against the run, taking away those cutback lanes to the inside. Like he's still dialing in the instincts. Hands are off a bit as well. There are some false steps to his rush. Struggles at times locating the football. But man, he's just like that... that lump of clay that you can just mold him into the type of pass rusher that you want. KC at number 30, especially if they can get a receiver there at 29 overall. I think Boye Mafe would be a nice pickup there for Kansas City. So then you move on to round number two, and I mentioned Philly potentially taking George Karloftis. If they don't, um, there, there's a guy that I think they could absolutely target. I think Dallas is another team that could absolutely go after him. I actually have Philly... Um, landing George Karloftis so Philly likely wouldn't go after an edge rusher in round number two but Dallas would because I don't have them going there I have them going with an offensive lineman instead so at 56 overall I'm looking at Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State 6'4 267 pounds and this is a dude who you know I know he's not very flashy but the dude actually ran a 6'4 5'3 cone drill so I mean you're talking about you know the bend and the, and the lateral agility and the quickness to be able to, to stop and start uh, Cam Thomas uh, didn't show that necessarily on tape, but this is a dude who was always working to get after the quarterback. You saw impressive handwork, a guy that was always looking to chop and rip and, and use these swim moves. He can attack you on the outside. He can get back to the inside. You know, this guy, he had more pressures than Aiden Hutchinson. Only Will Anderson, who could be the first pick in next year's draft, have more pressures than, than Cameron Thomas. 71 tackles, so again, among the team leaders in tackles, and then 20 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, had 20 total for his career there at uh, at, at San Diego State. Uh, played just three years there with the Aztecs, but this is a dude, he's one of my favorite players in the entire draft. Could he be a sleeper and, and, and end up at the end of round number one? Absolutely. I think this is a guy, you know, I really wanted to see him play there at the Senior Bowl and then at the Combine. I think he would have a lot more momentum built up because people didn't necessarily get to see him a whole lot out on the West Coast playing in a group of five conference. But uh, a hamstring injury kind of hampered things a little bit for him. But he's a dude, I, I think you pair him up with, uh, with Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Dante Fowler. It's going to be a lot of fun there for the Dallas Cowboys. One other guy that I'm talking about at the defensive end position there in round number two is Logan Hall. Now, Logan Hall, you know, he's kind of a, you know, could be a five technique, um, could also end up being a defensive tackle as well. He's kind of a guy without a, a true position. He's 6'6", 283 pounds there at Houston, and a guy that, that could get after the passer both on the outside and on the inside. I ultimately have him targeted as a defensive tackle. 
and I, I have him with the with, with the defensive ends. But uh, ultimately, I, I think he'll be a, a tackle at the next level. 13 tackles for loss, six sacks here in 2021. And I'm looking at KC. If you get Boye Mafe in round number one, then you can turn around and use uh, you know a second round pick. You have two picks in round number two. One of those picks you can use uh, on a running mate. For, for Chris Jones. I think Chris Jones is one of the premier defensive tackles, a guy that, that is a threat to get into the backfield on any given play. Uh, you you just you pair that guy up with, with Chris Jones. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch as well. So if you think about it, you could have, essentially you could have Frank Clark, Logan Hall, Chris Jones, Boye Mafe on one uh, defensive front. And I think that's a pretty formidable group. And you're gonna look, you're gonna have to go up against the likes of Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert in the AFC West, you're going to have to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. Now, I mentioned edge rushers in terms of the linebackers as well, and uh, there is one guy that I have coming off the board in round number two, and that's David Ojabo. And I think there's a chance that David Ojabo could sneak into round one, looking at Green Bay there at 28. I think that would also uh, be a nice home for Ojabo uh, because you know he, he's coming off that Achilles tear as he's you know during that workout. I think he's ahead of schedule. Um, from what it sounds like, you, know, you, you saw Cam Akers come back after just six months after tearing an Achilles. Look, I did it, what, three years ago now and uh, tore my Achilles. And it, it's a process getting back. You know, I still don't feel like I'm completely 100%. Um, but, man, the, these guys, you see what Cam Akers was able to do. It, it's, it's incredible. Uh, but 6'6", 250 pounds. Ojabo is absolutely explosive. You know, I think that's one of the things that just always jumps off. At the combine, ran a 4.5540, 35-inch vertical leap as well. Um, and, and this guy, it's all about uh, the pass rush moves, right? You know, I, I think he didn't always set, set a hard edge there against the run. I think there were times where he struggled to, uh, to really understand where the football was, the awareness wasn't always there uh, against the run, but man, this dude could get after the passer. You know, so explosive. The traits, I think his traits getting after the passer are a little bit uh, more of a higher ceiling than than Aiden Hutchinson. Um, Hutchinson, obviously, more refined, uh, the technique and everything, but just as a raw pass rusher, I think Ojabo really has him there. 11 sacks, just 12 tackles for loss, um, you know, but... Uh, five forced fumbles as well. So this is a guy that not only is he going to get to the quarterback, but he also knows what to do when he arrives. And uh, just one real breakout season there with Michigan uh, in 2021. So he's still raw. There's still some development that's needed. So I, I think that's ultimately why it, he could very well stay in round number two. And if I'm Houston and I don't go after an edge rusher there at number three, if I don't take Kayvon Thibodeau, and David Ojabo sitting there at number 37 overall, I jump at the chance. I just I, I send somebody on a dead sprint up to the podium as soon as I can with that card uh, so that we can be calling David Ojabo's name. I think that'd be a great pickup there for Houston, especially with two picks in round one. If you could get, then get David Ojabo at the top of round two, I think that would really be a home run for that group. Um, in round number three, I've got quite a few edge rushers that are coming off the board, both at the defensive end position and at outside linebacker. The first one coming 67 overall, and that's Nick Benito out of Oklahoma. This is a guy, I think, in terms of the pass rush rate, the win rate uh, among the top in, in all of uh, FBS. 6'3", 248 pounds, the junior uh, a, a guy who ran a 4'5", at the combine, 35.5-inch vertical leap. Uh, three cone drill was at a 7.07, um, but definitely a guy 
who was looking to get after the quarterback. And you know that was one of the things that I thought he did a really good job of, whether it was coming off the edge or you know shooting in off of gaps and, and getting to the quarterback there as well. Um, you know the thing that was really weird was they drop him into coverage, and you know he could have actually gotten to the quarterback a lot more. Um, 33 tackles for loss, 19 and a half sacks. 16 of those in the past two seasons. Um, and so when I'm looking at him, I look at the Giants. And if the Giants don't go edge rusher, like I was talking about in round one, if they could end up targeting Nick Benito there in round number three at number 67 overall, think about that. You've got Aziz Ojulari on one side, Nick Benito on the other. I think that would be a match made in heaven there for, for the Giants. I think that would definitely be a nice fit uh, overall for them. Uh, continuing in round number three, looking at uh, at the edge rushers, I'm looking at Denver at number 75 overall, and I'm looking at, at Maje Sanders out of Cincinnati, 6'5", 247 pounds. That's what he weighed in at uh, at his pro day at the combine. Um, you know, he he had to have been sick. I mean, it was just crazy. He showed up at 228 pounds, runs a 4.6740, which you know I, I thought was. Uh, was good, but I was expecting a little bit more from him. But this is a dude who has absolute uh, burst coming off the edge, a guy who's relentless getting after the quarterback. And look, you know, Maje Sanders, um, could he you know, potentially be a, a stand-up outside linebacker? I think it's entirely possible. Um, I, I was surprised. I thought that he had longer limbs than, than he actually measured in at, just, you know, uh, just under 33 inches in terms of the arm length. But definitely a guy who was relentless getting after the quarterback quarterback kept wanting to bend coming off the edge and um you know he was one of the focal points there of that uh cincinnati defense and really the, the primary pass rusher up front and when i think of of, of my J. sanders you know obviously just two and a half sacks this past season but you know 13 and a half in his career really was effective you know in 20 2019 2020 but uh, also a guy who knows how to time those 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 passes while get his hand into the, into the throwing lane. 12 pass breakups in his career as well. And, and I'm looking at Denver. Um, you know, With the, the Broncos, I, I think you need to get some help there for, for Bradley Chubb. You brought in Randy Gregory. Malik Reed still on the roster, but I think you need to get another edge rusher there. And I think it would make a lot of sense to, to lock him up there in round number three. So after Maje Sanders, uh, you know, you move down just a little bit, and I'm looking at Atlanta, and I mentioned the fact that they only have 18 sacks. I think they're going to double up at this position, just like I think they're going to double up at the receiver spot. Uh, D'Angelo Malone out of Western Kentucky, a guy that people don't really talk about a whole lot, 6'3", 243 pounds. This is a guy who actually plays a heck of a lot bigger. I've seen him uh, with, with some of his bull rushes getting underneath pad level of uh, guys he's going up against and driving them into the backfield, uh, you know, Mainstay there for the Hilltoppers over the last five seasons. 59 tackles for loss, 32 and a half sacks, 349 tackles. In 2019, this dude had 99 tackles, 20 and a half going for loss, 11 sacks. You know, that was probably his best year, but he followed that up with two really good years, had 94 tackles this past season, 17 and a half for loss, eight sacks, four pass breakups, four forced fumbles, absolute nose for the football. Conference USA player of the uh, de defensive player of the year once again, and um, you know when I look at, at D'Angelo Malone, you know this is a guy who I think is is a lot better than people really give him credit for. Um, you know, and he, he does look a little undersized, but you know I think at 243 pounds, he's actually a little bit bigger than what he was playing at. And and a guy again, you put him there on the outside, 
You know, I think people will have flashes of Vic Beasley, but I think what what you have there with D'Angelo Malone is a guy that, that can be a lot more physical and play a little bit bigger than he actually measures in at. And I love the relentlessness. I love his his uh, his nose for the football. When you're talking about a guy that has two 90-plus tackle seasons, this is a guy that uh, does a great job in pursuit of the football, uh, understands angles, and uh, is going to be looking to make plays. You know, he's not a guy that's going to take any plays off. That's for sure. Um, Alex Wright out of UAB is another guy that I'm looking at. 6'5", 271 pounds. Um, you know, I think the Titans sitting there at number 90 could potentially go after Alex Wright. Green Bay as well, especially if they don't go with Ebiketti in round number one. They're going to need to get a pass rusher in there at some point. And Alex Wright, you know, I think when you look at him, a guy that's going to get to the quarterback in a variety of ways. Uh, will use his length to his advantage, uh, attacks the, the tackle's hands, likes to, to cross the face and shoot into the backfield. Um, you know, 19 tackles for loss, 11 sacks in his career there with, with the Blazers. I wanted to actually see him come back for one more season because I'm looking at it, you know, just seven and a half tackles for loss and six sacks this past season. A guy that you know, I wanted to see a little bit more production out of. I was expecting to see more of a leap, and I, I thought that he could really improve his draft stock a little bit more, and we just didn't get to see that. But the traits are there. I, I think this is a guy that ultimately we're going to see um, come off the board on day two. Uh, didn't run the 40 at, at his pro day. Um, ultimately put up just 15 reps in the bench press at the combine. I kind of gave him a hard time in my post-combine uh, podcast. Ultimately found out that he suffered a left pectoral injury during the combine, so that really makes sense as to why he uh, he wasn't able to get to that 225 up any, any further. Um, but he performed a lot of the... the defensive line and linebacker drills during his pro day and uh, again I don't think he's going to get out of day two because he has all those traits that that teams are going to be looking for Um, as we continue to move down round number three you know, kind of moving a little bit quicker here. We're looking at the Cleveland Browns. They need edge rushers. They need to really provide some guys who are going to help out uh, Miles Garrett. I think this is a, a position where they could potentially double up. Um, you know, they brought in Chase Winovich in a trade with, with the Patriots. They traded away Mac Wilson. Um, you know, Jadavion Clowney and Takaris McKinney are both free agents. They really need to continue to shore up this group. And what I love about Josh Paschal is this is a guy who just lives in opposing backfields. I really um, think this is a guy, he's 6'2", 270 pounds, uh, but a high effort guy, uh, someone who can attack the edge really well, sets a really hard edge against the run. 35 and a half tackles for loss, 15 and a half coming just in the, in the last season alone. 52 tackles as well. Five sacks, very active, spends a lot of time in opposing backfields. I think this is exactly what Cleveland is looking for there at that defensive end position. Um, Kingsley and Igbari, South Carolina, 6'5", 258 pounds. A guy that I think everyone was waiting for JJ to make another leap uh, there with the Gamecocks. And we just didn't get to see that so much. Um, you know, it reminds you of, of Jadavion Clowney. You know, with uh, with South Carolina, another big dude. I mean, Kingsley Anigbari at six four, uh, you know, and two hundred fifty eight pounds, uh, but just you know, twenty four tackles for loss, fifteen sacks. But uh, this past season, just seven tackles for loss and four and a half sacks. You're expecting him to take the leap, much like Jadavion Clowney, and you didn't see as much production out of him. Um, and then he shows up at the combine, and 
you know, he's not the, the fastest guy by any means when you watch him on tape, but I was expecting a little bit more than that 4.8740. Did show off a 36 and a half inch vertical leap, so there's a little bit of lower body explosiveness there. What you love about him is the 34 and 3 fourths inch arms, uh, hands over 10 and a half inches as well. So you put the meat hooks on him, he's going to be able to, to, to shed blockers in a hurry, um, uses those long, long limbs to, to set the edge and be able to bend a little bit. Um, Again, Eagles could potentially be a, a landing spot for him. I think the Broncos could be another team looking for an edge rusher. Uh, there on on day three, or I'm sorry, on day two, San Francisco sitting at 105 as well. Uh, but I think Kingsley and Igbari is going to be a guy that we're going to see come off the board there. And then uh, the Rams with, with Drake Jackson, 104 overall. Rams lost lost Von Miller in, in free agency. Um, and they need to get another edge rusher there. They just need to figure that out. Someone that's going to play opposite uh, uh, Leonard Floyd. You've got Aaron Donald there, obviously, in, in the middle of the defense. Drake Jackson there at USC, 6'3", 254 pounds. Uh, really a good athlete. I think he was really misused there with the Trojans. You're expecting to see a little bit more out of him. Um, 36 and a half inch vertical leap at the combine. We know that he's a really good athlete, a guy that can bend. Uh, there was a play where... Um, ultimately, he ended up picking off a pass, and you watch the way that he was able to bend off of that, get his hand up, making really an athletic and acrobatic play to haul in the pass. When he was asked to rush the passer, he could bend a little bit uh, and get after the quarterback, but there weren't a lot of counter moves to his game. Really, if, if he couldn't beat you uh, coming off the edge, then that was really it, and that's really where his game was kind of it stifled. And the thing with, with Drake uh, Jackson was you wanted to see him continue to develop, and that's one of the things that I didn't see happen under Todd Orlando. But again, you're drafting him on trades. You're expecting him to get to uh, be coached up. And the Rams, look, they're going to get a guy who's right there in the city uh, playing there at the Coliseum. That's where the Rams uh, play before they, they move to SoFi. I think it makes a lot of sense to, to go after uh, Drake Jackson there at the end of round number three. Um, so if you're scoring at home there, that was two defensive ends uh, out of our edge rushers. And then if we also sprinkle in the, the linebacker, that's another five. So, uh, you know, that'd be a big, big uh, round number three uh, with, with a lot of guys coming off the board there. So when we transition to, to day number three and, uh, you know, I'm looking at you know, Tyreek Smith. Um, there for Ohio State. I think Houston needs to get multiple guys. Tyreek Smith, 6'3", 254. Um, I, I thought that you know, we were expecting a lot out of, out of Tyreek Smith there for Ohio State. We were expecting him and, uh, and Zach Harrison to really take over, much like what Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo were able to do uh, you know, with Tyreek Smith, just you know, five tackles for loss, three sacks. You know, and he did play in 10 games with the Buckeyes, um, you know, but definitely a veteran presence. And uh, you know, I think it's good value there in round number four, landing him. Uh, Baltimore sitting there at 110. You look, they've already got Odafe Owe on the roster. Get another Penn State Nittany Lion and Jesse Lucchetta, 6'3", 251 pounds. Um, another guy with tremendous upside, very athletic, a guy that uh, is going to work hard getting after the quarterback. Um, you know, pretty explosive coming off the edge. I, I think he's you're drafting him more on, on his traits more so than a lot of his uh, his production. Look, a guy who only had a half a sack in his career. So when you look at that, you're like, well, you know, there there wasn't a whole lot of production. Why would I draft somebody like that in round number four? Let me remind you that Odafe Owe was drafted in the first round, number 31 overall, and didn't register a single sack in 2020. 
and uh, you know we see what he's been able to do already for the Baltimore Ravens. I think uh, Jesse Lucchetta could be on that same trajectory uh, when it's all said and done there for, for Baltimore. Um, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense there. And then one final guy in round four. I'm looking at Dominique Robinson out of Miami of Ohio. He may end up being a guy that could be in the fifth or sixth round, but uh, he's another guy, just the upside, uh, what he's been able to do. Look, 6'5", 253 pounds, uh, a guy who hasn't been playing the position very long. You know, this is a guy who converted from the offensive side of the football and uh, you know, just works hard getting after the quarterback. Uh, you know, 28 tackles, 8.5 tackles for loss, 4.5 sacks, and, and really he was a converted receiver. You had uh, 27 catches for 452 yards and four touchdowns in his first two seasons there at Miami of Ohio. Ends up moving to the defensive line and uh, you know, played in just 15 games, but was able to rack up 11 tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. And uh, you know has tremendous size. You know I think what you see with him as a receiver has that understanding of being able to drop into coverage. Um, and so I think there's a lot to work with with him. Um, so fifth round, you know, might actually be better for him than than the fourth. Um, but you know, ran a 47240, 41.5 inch vertical leap, 25 reps at 225 in the bench press, an 82.5 inch wingspan. Um, a guy that's just going to continue to to put out effort. Um, and so I think that's why he, we could potentially see him come off the board in round number four. And if I'm targeting a place for for Dominique Robinson, again, Cleveland needs edge rushers. So I think that's really a, a good home for him. The Ravens could potentially be interested. The Chiefs could be interested as well. Um, they're all right there, 118, 119, and uh, 121 respectively. So I, I think that's really a good fit there for Dominique Robinson, uh, again, in round number four. We move to round five, and you know we just keep rolling with, with the edge rushers. The Giants, I think they're going to double up on edge rushers as well. Um, you know, this is a team. If you look at the Giants and you look at what they have on the roster currently, um, they've got Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams on the inside. Um, I mean, you know, at, at, on the defensive line, and then you've got Aziz Ojulari and you know a bunch of guys that haven't really achieved much. Uh, you know, they lost Lorenzo Carter. You've got O'Shane Zimenez. Quincy Roche, uh, you know, they, they need to get help there uh, in the worst way in terms of edge rushers. And I, I'm looking at Michael Clemens, um, you know, a, a guy who's 6'5 and 263 pounds, could potentially play uh, a, a D end in, uh, you know, as a five technique. And, you know, he did that at, at times there at Texas A&M. Uh, look, 11 tackles for loss, seven sacks this past season. Um, you know, a, a guy who I think is going to continue to to work hard. Um, you know, really a, a good motor on him as well. Um, so I, I think that would make some sense there for the Giants in round five. Uh, we continue moving down that group. Amare Barno out of Virginia Tech, 6'5", 246 pounds, bulked up to 246. This dude was a beanpole for a long time there for, for the Hokies. Um, you know, I, I think Philly, I think Dallas, even Seattle at 153 to 155, they're all in that same range. That would be a nice spot for Amari Barno. This dude, if you remember, at the combine, blows everyone away, running a 4-3-6-40. Uh, I think the fastest for an, uh, for a defensive end, 37-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, so he, he was a lot smaller and would get pushed, you know, really pushed around quite a bit. But I love his pursuit. 
um, of the football, uh, very athletic. So I, I had him penciled in at San Francisco for a while. Um, so that could also be another destination for him. San Francisco drafts at 172 overall. I think if he's there on the board, uh, you'd have to, to think San Francisco would think long and hard about taking him there. At 169 overall, I got uh, the Tennessee Titans taking Jeffrey Gunter out of uh, Coastal Carolina. 6'4", 258 pounds. A guy who I think just continues to play hard. You know, he didn't have Taron Jackson opposite him there for the Chanticleers, and he still produced. Uh, at the combine, shows up, runs a 4'7", 40, 35.5-inch vertical leap. Um, you know, a, a guy that, look, 38 and a half tackles for loss and 17 sacks in his career. Uh, a guy who is just going to be tremendously productive for you. Um, and, and so when I look at him and, and I look at Tennessee, Tennessee is going to need some edge rushers. They're going to need, you know, obviously some additional guys to get after the passer to help out Harold Landry. They've got Bud Dupree on the roster. They need to get a little bit more out of him. But you know they're going to take another edge rusher at some point. And so I, I think this will be a really nice fit there in round number five. Um, continuing to work down the list and down the board, um, you know, Christopher Allen out of Alabama. Uh, I've got him going to Green Bay. Green Bay gets another edge rusher, 6'3", 241 pounds. Obviously, this is a guy who didn't get to see any action in 2021 after tearing his knee. But uh, if you'll remember in 2020, this dude was a, a ferocious pass rusher coming off the edge. And that was that was something that I, I think people are forgetting about, that this guy can bend and get after the quarterback, had 13 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks, and really was a guy that uh, didn't see a ton of action for Bama because they rotated a lot of guys in that unit. And I think Christopher Allen was primed for a huge year in 2021. We'd be talking about him in the first two days of the draft, but because of that knee injury, we're talking about him in round number five. I think that'd be really a nice value uh, for whoever gets him. And I've got him penciled in right now going to Green Bay. Green Bay really being able to add some speed to their defense, being able to get after the quarterback. So you know things kind of slowed down a little bit there in round number five with this group. Uh, round number six, a guy that I really loved watching, that's Isaiah Thomas. I've got him going to the Giants. I think the Giants could use uh, his length on the outside, 6'5", 266 pounds. A dude that, look, when, when Ronnie Perkins was out for those five games last year, this was a dude who really stepped up, played very well, ran a 4.740 at the Combine, but I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about his productivity. This is a dude who was able to work hard coming off the edge. I thought he used really good hand usage, uh, not overly bendy, uh, by any means, but a high motor, high effort type of guy. Um, 22 and a half tackles for loss and 14 and a half sacks in the last two seasons. Really consistent with his numbers, uh, which is really crazy. If you look at him, you compare 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, a guy that I think is just going to give you constant effort and constant pressure coming off the edge. Um, I think he was a little inconsistent at OU, but after watching uh, what Perion Winfrey did. At uh, at the Senior Bowl, I wonder if he was if they were using him a little bit differently, um, and and if you know we're really going to be seeing some untapped potential come out of him, much like we did with Perion Winfrey. So um, you know, I, I think Isaiah Thomas going to the Giants there makes a lot of sense. Um, another guy that I have defensive end, he's going to be a three technique, 6'3", 291 pounds. That's Matt Henningsen out of Wisconsin. I like him going to the Patriots here, and with with Henningsen, you know he wasn't invited to the combine or anything like that. 
Um, you know, but he did get to, to showcase some of his skills in, in, in all-star games. But look, six, six tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. But you can't just look at that. This is a guy who I, I think you know, has a lot of power in his game, a guy that's going to be effective against the run, um, can set a really strong edge, and uh, a guy who's going to work hard getting after the quarterback as well. Um, so I, I really like that pick. He feels like a Bill Belichick type of guy. You've heard me say that before, and uh, I think this is a guy that definitely fits that bill, a guy who's going to work hard, a, a guy that's that's going to understand his role, what he's there to do. And uh, you know, so he's going to make a lot of sense there in round number six. I don't have any linebackers coming off the board in round six there, but I do have one in round number seven, and that's James Houston the fourth, um, you know, a, a linebacker who you know, people didn't really talk about a whole lot, um, especially when he was at Florida. But man, he shows up double-digit sacks there for for JMU, and uh, you know, a little undersized, 6'1", 228 pounds, but a, a guy who just has a nose for the football. And if you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, obviously they're taking Aiden Hutchinson with the number one overall pick, but I think they could use some additional edge rushers as well. You know, uh, Kalevin Chason is kind of underachieved to this point. You've got Jihad Ward, um, you know, and then at defensive end, you're talking about uh, you know Roy Robertson, Harris, Adam Gotsis. You're gonna need some additional guys to get after the quarterback. So I, I think this is good value there in round number seven. James Houston the fourth, a guy that I think could definitely get after the quarterback. We were he was able to prove that there at the FCS level. Um, a guy who's going to work really hard for you is Myron Tagovailoa Almosa, 6'2", 270 pounds. I think the Lions, look, they're going to need to continue to address that, that defensive line. When you talk about the Lions there up front, um, I didn't really mention it too much, but they lost Trey Flowers. Uh, they do have Michael Brockers, Ali McNeil, Levi Amuzurike, but they need to get another another guy there to kind of solidify that group a little bit. And I think Myron Tagovailoa Amosa uh, could absolutely be that guy. Um, and, and so... That makes makes some sense there at, at, in round number seven. We've got a couple of additional guys that uh, I think we'll also see come off the board there. Um, you know, Kyron Johnson, very explosive in his pro day, 6'1", 223 pounds there out of Kansas. Um, you know, a, a guy who um, did show up in the the All Star games, showed the the burst coming off the edge. I think that's a, the explosiveness is really what you see with him. But uh, I think the 40 time. That, that he, he posted there, uh, ran a, a 4 4 uh, 39.5-inch vertical leap. Now that's really turning heads. This dude could be a late-round steal, and uh, I've got him penciled in there uh, to Arizona. I, again, Arizona, a team that could use additional pass rushers to help out uh, Marcus Golden, and uh, so I think that'd be great value there, number 244 overall. Um, I've got David Anine out of Houston, 6'3", 249 pounds, going to the Vikings. I think the Vikings are going to be looking for edge rushers. Uh, they did pick up Zadarius Smith to pair with, with Daniil Hunter, but I think uh, you know they could use another guy. And look, you know, Anine there at, at Houston um, was productive coming off the edge there, so I think that'd be a nice fit. The Chargers at 254, I think they need to get some help for, for Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack and company. Just get some additional edge rushers there to round out that, that unit. Trey Williams out of Arkansas, 6'4", 253 pounds. This is a dude who started out the year just on fire. Um, you know, Didn't really look strong at the combine. Uh, ran a really slow 40 time, um, You know, if you'll ask me. But uh, you know what, what you like there at, at Arizona. I'm sorry, at, at Arkansas. Started his career there at Missouri. Then at uh, Arkansas, six and a half tackles for loss, six sacks. 
on the year, uh, has 14 and a half in his career. Um, He's one of those guys that I think you put him on a practice squad, uh, you, you bulk him up a little bit, and I think he'll definitely be a guy that can be effective. Um, did I mention Arizona could use edge rushers? I, I'm looking at them again. I think Ali Fayed out of uh, uh, Western Michigan is a guy to keep an eye out for as well. 6'2", 250 pounds. Look, had 12 sacks, 17 and a half tackles for loss in his senior season there with, with the Broncos. 53 tackles for loss and 28 and a half sacks in his career. Also eight forced fumbles as well. So he knows what to do when he arrives at the football. Um, I, I think the round seven, you know, he may be one of those guys that could, could be sneaky with, with things, but I, I like him there in Arizona. I think he's a guy that can end up sticking on an NFL roster. So that, I think that makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, with, with Ali Fayed there. So those are all of my defensive ends and, and really edge rushers as a whole. And when we look at that, if you're scoring at home, the defensive ends, we're looking at 19 in that group. But then if you also look at the linebackers, you're talking about another 12. So that'd be 31 overall with that with that group. And that's down from the, the 35 a season ago. But I, I think really the, the heart and soul of this group is going to be in the first two days of the draft. You're going to find some gems in, round, in, uh, in day three. But I think really that value... Uh, fourth, fifth round is kind of where we'll take a break from the edge rushers, and then it'll pick up again as we get into the sixth and seventh round. So that's really what I see for the edge rushers. And now let's transition to the defensive tackle position. You know, And I think with the defensive tackle position, we're already running up against the clock here with, with the podcast. I think we've got one half hour to go, and we're going to talk about 21 guys that I think are going to get drafted here um, at the, the, the tackle position. But look, after having uh, you know, 21, 24, and 23 D tackles come off the board in 2017 to 2019, we saw just 18 in 2020 and uh, 19 in 2021. No defensive tackles taken in round number one in 2021. That's just two years removed from six in 2019. Uh, but we saw Christian Barmore, Levi Muzureke, and Aline McNeil come off the board in, in the first two days of the draft. Those were the, the top three picks there in 2021. Obviously, in the first round here, the first guy that everyone has to be talking about is Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis is an absolute freak of nature. Um, there, guys hit his size should not be able to move as fast as he does. Shows up at the freaking combine at 6'6", 341 pounds, runs a 4.7840, and puts up a 32-inch vertical leap as well. Um, you, you watch him online. There, there, there's the video of him with his footwork. Um, what I didn't like about him was when you watch Georgia play Alabama because they rotated him out, a lot of two down um, that you saw out of Jordan Davis. And so against Bama, especially when they're running that hurry up, he struggled at times with his his cardio, with his endurance. And there were a couple of plays where he just kind of stood up off the line and really didn't put forth much effort because he was gassed. Um, but that said, this dude is a mountain of a man. The strength to take on multiple blockers, not budge at the point of attack, allowing those linebackers behind him to make plays on the football. Tremendously agile, able to get off blocks, get up the field in a hurry. Here's the thing. Imagine Davis eating up the blocks in the middle or collapsing the pocket and then having Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Derwin James lurking like sharks behind him. You know, Chargers in a division, again, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. You're going to need to get pressure on the quarterback, and I think this is a guy that's going to be able to do that for for the Chargers. They're at number 17. I think Baltimore at number 14 could absolutely take 
Jordan Davis. Uh, they brought in Michael Pierce, but I think they're going to need to also, uh, that may not move the needle a whole lot. Minnesota at number 12. They've got Dalvin Tomlinson there on the inside. I think this is a guy that can come in there and really push that and be able to really help uh, both Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter get after the quarterback. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense there. And then you've got uh, Devontae Wyatt. You know, if I'm if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm looking at Devontae Wyatt and I'm saying, look, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Ndamukong Sue. Even if he does come back, this is a guy that we know is going to be dialed in uh, later on. And, uh, you know, we'll have him for the future. Ran a 4.7740 at the Combine at 6'3", 304. Another guy who's absolutely freakish. His calling card is going to be that exceptional burst coming off the football to beat his man off the ball. Slip blocks, beat double teams, early penetration into the backfield, lateral agility to slide inside the zone blocks, locate the football, and drop the carrier or the ball carrier there in a hurry. Effort, never been questioned. Continuing to work to make a play on the football. I like him going to Tampa Bay there at uh, number 27 overall when it's all said and done. I think Kenyon Green is going to end up coming coming off the board there to Dallas and Arizona. Again, if George Karloftis is not on the board, I think they go Zion Johnson, which then means Devontae Wyatt would be right there for Tampa at number 27 overall. So just two defensive tackles coming off the board in round number one. We saw two come off the board in 2020. That was when Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw came off the board there. Uh, round number two, I've got three guys. A couple of them were very intriguing. I'm looking at uh, Travis Jones there out of uh, out of UConn. 6'4", 325 pounds. Look, Cleveland also needs a, a, a nose tackle as well. Um, when you look at, at Cleveland up front, um, you know they brought in Taven Taven Bryan, but you know, I think they, they need to get a guy there on the interior of that that defense to help out Miles Garrett, um, really take some of that pressure off. And what you have with, with Travis Jones is a guy who's in, an incredible athlete, uh, very heavy-handed as well. I think that's one of the things that jumps out at you. Ran a 4.9240 for a guy his size is absolutely ridiculous. 82 and a half inch wingspan, very quick off the football. Um, you know, 455 pound bench press, 32 reps at 225, 615 pound squat, hang cleans 405. Bruce Feldman had him in his uh, in his freaks list. Um, a guy who I think just is going to provide constant pressure, and uh, I think that'd be a great pick there for Cleveland in round number two. If you continue to move down um, after that. Um, I think at some point we're going to be seeing DeMarvin Leal come off the board. At one point he was talked about as a potential top five pick. Just don't see that. Uh, 6'4", 283 pounds. I've got him going uh, potentially to Tampa. I think Green Bay, if if they think that he's a guy that could end up being a uh, a five technique, then I think Green Bay could potentially have something there as well. Uh, But DeMarvin Leal... um, a guy that does have some pass rush ability, a guy that can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Look, 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. I think those those sack numbers really got people excited initially. Uh, a guy whose motor can run hot and cold at times. Um, I, I think there's some bust potential with him as well. Uh, so that's why he's fallen all the way to you know 59, 60 overall. Um, and then at the end of round number two, number 63 overall, Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma, 6'4", 290 pounds. Uh, the Bengals, look, they, they don't have Larry Young with Joby, and I think Perrion Winfrey could absolutely be that guy to, to replace him. And, and with Winfrey, 
he was playing out of position. I think Perry on Winfrey could absolutely be a three technique, and really he was kind of playing at the nose there for the Sooners. 11 tackles were lost, five and a half sacks. What you saw with him was that first step quickness, his ability to beat double teams, shoot into the backfield in a hurry, shoot gaps, chase down ball carriers, but he, it wasn't consistent enough. And he even said that he was playing out of position. Alex Grinch had him playing out of position. He shows up at the Senior Bowl, was the best player there, was the MVP. And uh, I think Cincinnati, they'd be really happy to, to get Perry on Winfrey attacking the, the interior of that, that line with uh, Trey Hendrickson on the outside. I think he and Sam Hubbard both would be happy to see Perry on Winfrey um, all along the interior of their defensive front. So that's what we have for round number two. Round three. I've got two defensive tackles coming off the board. The first one's going to be uh, Fidarian Mathis. And look, Phil Mathis, you know, I, I look at the Bears, and I think this is a match made in heaven. Look, you know, Mathis is 6'4", 310 pounds. You're potentially losing Akeem Hicks, and you're looking for a guy that could fill that role. And uh, if you turn on Alabama tape, you're going to see number 48 flash and continue to flash and continue to flash. A guy that just makes a lot of plays. And when you look at it, 53 tackles, 10 and a half coming for loss, nine sacks. And, you know, you look at him and you're like, all right, you know, at the defensive tackle position, this guy's got some explosiveness. A guy that can come off the edge, has nice first step quickness, uses his hands very well to get off blocks. I like this pick going to uh, to the Chicago there at number 71 overall. I know Chicago talked about getting a lot of uh, pieces along the, 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 the lines. And so I think this would be absolutely fit into what they're going to be wanting to do, uh, be able to address things up front. And then one other guy, I'm looking at Zach Carter out of Florida. And, uh, you know, look, 6'4", 282 pounds. I'm looking at Denver. Denver needs another, uh, you know, five technique. I think uh, Zach Carter could absolutely be that guy. And what I like about Zach Carter is uh, his ability to get after the quarterback. Um, you know, be that interior presence, be able to push the pocket and, and get after the quarterback. Um, look, 26 tackles for loss, 17 sacks in his career, eight pass breakups as well. Um, when I think about Zach Carter, um, you know, pretty good length. Ran just a 4.9940 at the combine, so I think that was one of the things that might scare teams off a little bit. Um, not the most explosive athlete. But I, I don't think you're going to be seeing him as a defensive end. He's going to be a defensive tackle um, or uh, a five technique in a 34 defense. And uh, that's why I think you know him going to Denver makes a lot of sense. And uh, you know I like him coming off the board there in round number three. Round number four, um, I've got four guys coming off the board here. First one's going to be Matthew Butler there out of uh, Tennessee. 6'4", 297, a guy who I think you know his best days are ahead of him. Um, a guy who plays you know, with, with constant effort, a guy that can shoot into the backfield, very athletic, good first step quickness, um, you know, a guy that can get after the quarterback as well. That's really what you're looking for for a lot of your interior linemen. Can they put pressure on the quarterback? We're going to value them a lot more than guys who are just simply run stuffers. 16 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks in his career, had five this past season. So I'm looking at, uh, at Jacksonville. They need defensive tackles as well. They did lose Taven Bryan in free agency, as I mentioned earlier. Um, they've got Malcolm Brown. They've got uh, Foley Fatukasi there on the interior of that line. J2 Fele. Um, but I think this is a guy that can come in there and challenge for, for playing time early at that defensive tackle spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets, I think they're going to need to find a, a nose at some point. 
fourth round might be a little early for them to be doing that, but they do have quite a few picks. Um, if you're talking about what they have there at the position right now, um, you know, there, there's Quinn, uh, Quinn and Williams. They've got Sheldon Rankins and, and Nathan Shepard, but I think they could use another guy up front to really round out that group. I'm looking at uh, Otito uh, Obanaya there for UCLA. Um, you know, 6'4", 324 pounds, a guy that anchors really well. Um, high school power lifter, 82-inch wingspan, uh, but still able to put up uh, 225, uh, you know, I think 29 times at the combine, uh, 44, 440-pound uh, bench press. So a guy who's very capable of being able to hold the point of attack, um, something that the Jets could absolutely lose, use on the uh, interior of that line. The Saints are going to get Thomas Booker out of, out of Stanford, 6'3", 301. They're going to be looking for uh, defensive linemen in the draft. Um, I, I think they don't have a lot of depth at uh, that defensive tackle position. And Thomas Booker at Stanford's Pro Day really put on a show and really turned some heads. I think that's one of the things that you absolutely see. Thomas Booker could also come off the board to uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers. And, and I think round four is probably the right value. If San Francisco is going to want them, want him, they don't have a pick until uh, pick 134. And I've got him coming off the board a little bit earlier there at 120. So they may have to end up trading up if they end up wanting this guy. But uh, you know, Thomas Booker... Ran a sub 540 there at, at the pro day, a 494, um, broad jump of nine feet two inches, three cone drill of 7.33, short shuttle of a 441. Um, also repped out 225, 31 times. Um, but Booker definitely showed off some some impressive athleticism. I, I think that's something that's going to be turning turning heads. Um, nine nine pounds heavier than at the combine. Showed up at 310 at the pro day as well. So I think that also shows that this is a guy who's serious about being a defensive tackle at the next level. And uh, I think when you're talking about the Saints, you're talking about that defensive tackle position, I, I think this is an area that they definitely need to target at some point in the draft. And uh, I think earlier rather than later, you've got David Onyemata, then there's Albert Huggins, Christian Ringo, Albert Huggins. This is a group that I think needs some attention, and so this would make a lot of sense for uh uh, the Saints there in round number four. So, one last guy, and that's Eric Johnson out of Little Missouri State. Um, I, I like him going to the Raiders. Um, if you look at uh, at Vegas and what they have there, Bilal Nichols um, was re was brought in, but uh, you've got a lot of guys that are, that are hitting free agency. Really, what's what's the future hold for for that group for that unit? That's really a big question mark right now. And, and I really like Eric Johnson's physicality there at the position, what he brings, 6'5", 298 pounds, you know, a, a guy that can hold the point of attack really well. Um, not much in terms of a pass rusher, but definitely a, a guy that, even though he had a one and a half sacks, a guy that also had quite a few pressures racked up from that defensive tackle position. And, uh, you know, look, I'm pulling up the Raiders depth chart right now as we speak at that defensive tackle position and uh, right now what they actually have on the board they did get Jonathan Hankins re-signed they've got Bilal Nichols there's Vernon Butler who's been mostly an underachiever on the roster they've got Andrew Billings as well uh, Kendall Vickers but I think they need to bring in another guy to, to kind of help solidify that unit and a guy that's going to really push for playing time so I think Eric Johnson's definitely a guy that's going to be able to do that um, in round number five, 
You know, again, we're getting into that middle of the day three. Um, I'm looking at Neil Farrell out of LSU, a guy that I think could, could come off the board later. But uh, I'm looking at Denver, and what Denver needs is, uh, is a nose tackle. And I think uh, when you look at Neil Farrell, he's a guy that's going to be able to provide that for them. Uh, very stout at the point of attack. He's going to be physical. Um, right around the line of scrimmage. They've got Mike Purcell at nose tackle, but Deshaun Williams, a free agent. So I, I think there's a good chance that we could see uh, Neil Farrell kind of sneak in there. He can get after the quarterback a little bit, but he's not going to be asked to do that a ton. Um, you know, this is a guy that's going to be a, a space eater for sure. Seattle could use a, a defensive tackle as well. I'm looking at Haskell Garrett out of Ohio State, 6'2", 300 pounds. This was a guy at one point we were talking about as a potential second-round pick. Um, you know, I, I thought he was inconsistent um, in, in his play. A guy, though, that is athletic, can get up the field, ran a 5.07.40 at the combine. Um, a, a guy that... Um, showed off some pass rush ability, and that's one of the things that I, I think is going to make him very valuable. I think there's a good chance he can end up coming off the board maybe in round three or four. I ultimately have him coming off the board in round five, but like I said, he could very well come off the board much earlier than that. I have five and a half sacks this past season. You know, a guy that's going to continue to play hard, uh, really a, a nonstop motor. Uh, out of Haskell Garrett. I think Seattle feels like a, a good fit for him. Um, seems like the same type of player that, uh, that that Seattle would covet at that defensive tackle position. And finally, Jaden Peavy there at Texas A&M. Everyone talks about uh, DeMarvin Leal, but I'll tell you what, a guy that really jumped out to me was, was Jaden Peavy. 6'5", 308, and a guy that I thought could get after the quarterback from, from the interior. Uh, a guy that could also uh, get early penetration against run, uh, run plays as well. So you like his versatility. And if I'm sitting there in round number five, I'm looking at Minnesota. I've already targeted a, a nose tackle. I think that you can put in PB there at, at defensive tackle there uh, for that group. And, uh, you know, because they're changing that, that group there up front. And, you know, you've got Harrison Phillips at D-tackle. I know Sheldon Richardson was going to potentially be a, a defensive end, he and Jalen Twyman. Uh, but this is just adding to what Minnesota is going to be wanting to do up front defensively. And so I think it makes a lot of sense there in round number five. So moving now to round number six. And uh, how about uh, a guy who's really stout against the run? Not so much, uh, you know, the flashy edge rusher or anything like that, or a guy that's going to collapse the pocket from the interior. John Ridgeway out of Arkansas, 6'5", 321 pounds. I mentioned if you're going to look for a, uh, for a guy who's predominantly uh, a run stuffer, you're going to be looking for him later on in the draft. I think sixth round makes a lot of sense. Jacksonville, they need guys up front. I already mentioned that. So John Ridgeway, I think that'd be a good pick for them. Minnesota, I mentioned them earlier, continuing to tweak that front, find guys that, that they could really use for what they want to do in that 34 defense. Ioma Uwazarike for Iowa State is a guy that a lot of people aren't talking about. I really don't know why. 6'6", 316 pounds, but a guy that can absolutely get after the quarterback. And a guy that's been on my radar for a while, um, 12 tackles for loss, nine sacks this past season 34 and a half tackles for loss in his career so this dude makes plays behind the line of scrimmage lived in opposing backfields he had uh, a guy by the name of, of will mcdonald the fourth that was collapsing the pocket coming off the edge but in his own right this was a guy that knew how to get after the quarterback 
Minnesota, shoot, if he's sitting there in round number six, I'd jump at the chance to get him. This is a guy that knows how to get after the quarterback in a 34 defense and a guy that uh, you know I think will be a nice welcome addition there with Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter uh, getting after the quarterback. And then one other defensive tackle that we have to be mindful of here in round number six, uh, I've got Noah Ellis out of Idaho. Houston, look, you've got Vince Wilfork as one of your better defensive linemen in, in the franchise history. Noah Ellis, 6'4 and 346 pounds, a dude that's going to take up a lot of a lot of space. He's a big dude. He doesn't move nearly as well as Vince Wilfork does. Look, Vince Wilfork is a guy that I think people have been talking about as a potential Hall of Famer uh, because of his his play there at the nose tackle position. But look, you know they've got Roy Lopez, they've got Malik Collins, Ro Ross Blacklock really hasn't done a whole lot at the position. I think they could use a a guy to really take up a lot of space there along the interior of that, that defensive line. And how about Isezi Atamewo? Uh, they're out of Minnesota as well. A guy that uh, was a running mate there along with uh, Boye Mafe. And uh, you know this is a dude who, who can get after the quarterback a little bit. Cincinnati, again, they need to get additional defensive tackles. He's 6'5", 282 pounds. And what you're getting with him is a guy, like I said, he can get after the quarterback. A guy who can be stout at the point of attack against the run. Um, you know, 13 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks in his career. Um, you know, a guy that didn't see the, a ton of action in his first three seasons, but did play in 11 games for the Golden Gophers in his senior season. Um, that's why he's fallen here to, to round number six. Um, you move on to round seven, and these are a few guys that you know, may or may not get drafted. Ultimately, I was trying to find some needs up front, and uh, like Miami, they need a nose tackle. I think they need to, to address that position, get some, some depth there up front. They've got Raekwon Davis at, at that nose, but I think they could offer up some depth. And uh, DJ Davidson there out of Arizona State, 6'5", 327 pounds, can absolutely be that guy to, to hold down the fort there. Um, so I, I think that would make some sense. Uh, they're in round number seven. You continue to move through uh, that last round of the draft. There are going to be a few other guys that could potentially come off the board. How about Chris Hinton, 6'4", 305 out of Michigan. I mentioned KC needing additional defensive tackles. I think this is a guy that could potentially come in, stick with the roster, and provide some depth. Look, he's got good bloodlines. Um, so you know, I, I see him getting drafted. Some people had him getting drafted a lot earlier. I think really seventh round is about the right value for him at this point. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, you know, another team. Could, that could potentially be targeting a nose at some point in the draft. Nose tackle, Corey Peters is a free agent. Uh, you've got Lecky Fotu right now, going to be holding down the middle of that that uh, that, that front. And I, I really think that they're going to be looking for a depth piece. And when you're talking about Marquand McCall, 6'3", 342 pounds there out of Kentucky, a dude who's just a space eater. Um, they're at the end of the draft at 256, 257 overall. I think that's where we could potentially see him come off the board. But again, uh, when I'm looking at the guys in round seven, Davidson, Hinton, McCall, even Noah Ellis, um, you know, these guys I think are fringe players in terms of the draft. These guys could very easily be uh, priority free agents when it's all said and done. So yes, I've got 20, uh, 21 defensive tackles coming off the board in uh, in my mock draft as of right now. I think there's a good chance we can only see 17, uh, which will be the lowest 
um, in the group in the last six years. Um, but I, I think this is a, a group that is lacking some depth. Um, like I said, you, you look at that round two and round three uh, you know, with Jones and Winfrey and Mathis. Those are guys that I really like. Even in round four with Butler and Booker and Johnson, those are guys. And, and really round five with, with, with Garrett and Peavy and Uwazarike. There are some players that you can find throughout this draft who at that defensive tackle position who I think are going to stick on NFL rosters. They're not flashy by any means, but I think these guys can be rotational players and a few of these guys have starter potential. So, uh, you know, outside of just Jordan Davis and uh, Devontae Wyatt that everybody's talked about to this point, hopefully this is kind of giving you an idea that, hey, there are some players there at the defensive tackle position, so it's not all bad with this, this defensive tackle group, um, all, although we don't have a lot of guys at the top end of this group like we, we may have seen in, in some past years. Um, look, we're starving for, for some defensive tackles, though. Five D tackles taken in the first two days of the draft a season ago, and I mentioned no tackles taken in, in – uh, in the first round, so you're talking about two in round two, three in round in round three. I've got what seven guys coming off the board in the first three rounds of the draft. So there's a little bit of an improvement there, but I think there's still a need for that defensive tackle spot. And really, when you're talking about um, the college game outside of the, the SEC. You know, a lot of the lines are really set up to be able to handle the spread offenses, and uh, that's where you're not seeing a ton of the, the defensive tackles that are being developed. That said, I mean, it, it does come in cycles because in 2019, we did have six defensive tackles come off the board in round one. So that was the year Quinton Williams, Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Jeffrey Simmons, Jerry Tillery, all came off the board there in round number one. So it does come in some cycles, and I'm sure that we're going to be seeing some additional defensive tackles come off the board. Um, you know, Everyone's going to be looking for the next Aaron Donald, that's for sure, um, or the freakish athlete. So I think that's why there's a lot of talk about Jordan Davis. But like I said, I just wanted to show that there are some additional players here at that defensive tackle position that aren't named Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt, guys outside of the, the, the Georgia program who can also play along the interior of that line. So that does it for um, our edge rushers and defensive linemen. I mentioned tomorrow is going to be all about the linebacker position. So yes, we're going to be talking a lot about Devin Lloyd and N'Kobe Dean, but there are some other guys throughout all three days of this draft. You know, Malcolm Rodriguez, if you don't know that name, you're going to get to get used to it because this is a guy who's a, a tremendous athlete. We'll be talking about him tomorrow. A guy that takes tremendous angles, converted safety. I think his game fits very well at the next level. Um, so a lot of linebackers to cover. We'll be talking about that. We'll then get into uh, the defensive backs over the weekend. And uh, I'll be able to talk about my final mock draft before we hit Thursday, April 28th. Las Vegas, Nevada, prime time when we're going to be able to go ahead and hit the draft. So a lot to cover before then. Um, stay tuned. We're in the home stretch. The draft is right around the corner. I hope you're as excited as I am. So for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Take care, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. And until next time, I am out of here.